You are listening to Hellcat's Hope, episode number three. Welcome to Hellcat's Hope, the podcast to find humor, healing, and hope. Come along with Hellcat as she explores ways to help you overcome adversity and find your own inner Hellcat. Yes, Hellcat is her legal middle name, and hope is her game, bringing hope to others by showing what's possible. Here's your host, law school grad, motivational speaker, author, and certified life and smoking cessation coach, Lori Hellcat Bamford. Hey guys, welcome to episode number three. Today we're going to talk about what is hope. Now, this is Hellcat. Hellcat's Hope, this podcast, is for people who are looking for hope and to see what's possible in their lives and their relationships and their businesses and their communities. In each episode, I'm going to share personal stories and practical takeaways with you to motivate and inspire you to find your own inner Hellcat in your own day-to-day life. My mission is to love, learn, and be a passionate advocate for fairness and hope. So I thought, what better episode to do than one on hope? It's kind of interesting. I I launched my website a week ago, whatthehellcat.com, and I thought, who does this? Who launches a website and a podcast within the same week? But it somehow has come together. As I record this session, I had just received word that Apple iTunes has approved my submission for Hellcat's Hope. So it's pretty exciting. So head on over to whatthehellcat.com, my website. Christine Purvis, huge shout out to you. She created it and did such a beautiful job. If you like it and are looking to upgrade yours, reach out to me and I'll get you her information. I just love it. It it looks beautiful. It's easy to navigate between life coaching and public speaking. And then, of course, this podcast. We will have all of the podcasts for Hellcat's Hope there, as well as in Apple iTunes, I just can't hardly say that without getting all giddy and excited. And then other platforms, wherever you listen to your podcast. You can also just listen to it on the interwebs. I've also set up a Facebook page specifically for Hellcat's Hope Podcast. And the links to the podcast will be posted there. And I'd also like to have a lot of community involvement there. I really would like for us to discuss the things that I've been talking about. And if they hit home with you, I would love to hear that. One of the sections on my website is probably my favorite section, and it's the blog section. So this is the place on the website where I have placed all of the different articles and notes that I've written over the last three or four or five years, and they're all in one place. And it was really fun to go back and read the things that I had written three and four years ago. I also looked at my speaker sheet, which listed all the different audiences I've presented to and the different topics. And one of the very first official presentations that I ever did was almost 25 years ago. It was for Southside Baptist Church in Wichita Falls, Texas. My best friend Gigi, she went there and her family went there and they were having a women's conference and she asked me to come speak to them. Their theme was hope. And I can remember exactly what I spoke about and exactly the Bible verse that we talked about. And I shared stories of growing up and my goals and my dreams, challenges and adversity. And we talked about Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Hope. That was in 1996. 
I realized today that I've been speaking and sharing about hope for almost 25 years. And it remains an important concept and value to me today. I've named the website after it. I've named the book about it, Hellcat's Hope, Journaling Your Path to Hope and Healing. And of course, this podcast. I speak to high schools and colleges across Oklahoma about having hope. And many times it's the centerpiece of my speeches to those students. I like to teach about hope as an expectation that no matter the circumstances, we can live in an expectation of hope. What I want to talk about and share today is what hope is and what hope is not. I will share with you how it plays out in the think, feel, act cycle that I teach my coaching clients and that I learn from my life coach and mentors. And I want you to walk away today with ways that you can use hope in action to live with intention, to figure out what's the end result you want in your life for any set of circumstances, and then act that out with hope. Hope in action. We will examine how you can channel this hope in action by thinking about your future self and creating those expectations in confidence, just by sometimes just asking yourself some pretty powerful questions. Now, hope begins in the mind. It is a thought. And one of the ways to truly discover what is in your mind is through journaling. I will have many future podcasts on journaling. I present workshops on it. It is a topic that is very near and dear to me. And it is the subject of my first book. If you haven't seen it yet over on my YouTube channel, Hellcat's Hope, there is a presentation that I did on Facebook Live for the From Fat to Finish Line group. And there is my presentation on journaling. So I encourage you to check that out. It's about 40 minutes long and it just really walks through the importance of journaling. And it's kind of an outline of how the book is going to go. It is through journaling that you can discover what's in your mind. What is the story that you are telling yourself? Is it one of hope? Is hope in your story? And you become aware of your thoughts and your story by writing them down. Here's the deal. We all have these thoughts running through our head, subconsciously and consciously. The science and research shows that we have about 60,000 thoughts per day. And if you don't have a practice of journaling or some way to process those thoughts that are running through your head, you may wonder why by the end of the day, you're exhausted. Because you have all these thoughts that you may not even know are running around and that you certainly haven't challenged or looked at. So I encourage you to watch that presentation on journaling and use it as a tool to really begin to see the story that you're telling yourself. That is how you become aware of your thoughts and your story. And then that's when you can see, is this story based in hope or despair? Now, I want to talk a little bit about this think, feel, act cycle that I mentioned at the beginning. As shared in previous episodes, I began working with my life coach at the end of 2017, and it truly changed my life. Her name is Corinne Crabtree with Fit and Fat, and her mentor is Brooke Castillo. She too has a podcast called The Life Coach School, and Brooke teaches a concept called The Model. Or it's the think, feel, act cycle. Of course, it's been around for years, but the way that Brooke teaches it is how I want to teach it to you today. And basically what the think, feel, act cycle shows is that we all have thoughts in our mind. 
you can pick any circumstance you want, any circumstance at all. And you may have five, 10, a hundred thoughts about that circumstance. Your thoughts create a feeling in your body and that feeling drives your actions. So it drives your actions to do or not do something. And then you get a result. Any circumstance can be broken down this way. And it's a wonderful, beautiful tool to look and to see, are you really living as you intended? How can you live with intention? How can you make your choices and decisions in action that come from a good, positive place? So hope begins as a thought. And when you have thoughts that are hopeful, what feelings do those create in you? Because the thoughts do create a feeling. And when you feel hope, you begin to feel capable. You have confidence and you trust. Now, let me be clear about something about the think, feel, act cycle. This is not positive thinking. This is not some Pollyanna notion in the sky. This is not, well, if you would just think positive, things would be better. No. If I've learned anything, it's that life is 50-50. Life is 50% amazing, wonderful, and beautiful, and then 50% difficult and adversarial, heartbreaking, crap. (laughs) So the model is not a tool to feel better. It's not a tool or something to look at and say, well, if I would just think differently, I would feel better. No, the model is not about feeling better. The model is about feeling, period. It's a tool to discover Are you really getting the intended result that you want in your life, whatever the circumstance is? And that begins in your thoughts. Our thoughts create feelings that drive our actions. Now, as I was preparing for this episode on hope, of course, the nerd in me had to go to the dictionary because I was thinking, well, what exactly is the definition of hope? And so, of course, the nerd in me wanted to start with the antonym of hope or the opposite of hope. And the opposite of hope is despair. And the dictionary defines despair as a feeling of hopelessness or a sense that a situation is so bad as to be impossible to deal with, a complete loss of hope. And hope is defined as a feeling or expectation for a certain thing to happen, a feeling of trust. It's not just a desire or a wish. It's an expectation that it will happen. I want to challenge you and encourage you truly to remove the words I wish and I will try from your vocabulary. I want you to practice with it. And I want you instead to use words like I hope and I expect. And if that seems too much, maybe say I am willing to hope. And again, as you examine all of these thoughts, it's really important that you write them down. Because as you write them down, you will then learn the story that you're telling yourself. And then the next step is to rewrite your story. So pay attention to the story you're telling yourself through journaling and then begin to rewrite it. Through journaling, you are able to put your thoughts down on paper and then you can really begin to examine if they are even true. Because here's what happens. When you are unintentionally thinking from a place of despair, you are creating a feeling of helplessness. And You don't mean to. It's very unlikely that you even realize you're doing it. But when you are thinking from a place of despair and that creates a feeling of helplessness, that's going to drive your actions. And when you feel helpless, what do you do? Nothing. Because it does feel like a helpless situation and a hopeless situation. And so nothing changes. And that is called unintentional living. 
And to live with intention is to think about your circumstances in a different way. It's about creating a different feeling that drives your action and gets you an intended different result. At least you could feel like you're moving forward. Another great tool to create hope instead of despair is to think about your future self. Just take a few minutes and just sit down and write. What is she like? What is she doing? Where do you see yourself in 30, 60, 90 days? Where do you see yourself in a year? And think on those things and write on those things. It's a wonderful trick to play on our brain. And you know, sometimes I think the brain gets a bad rap. You know, the brain is intended to seek pleasure, avoid pain, and do it in the most efficient way possible. And so whenever we are considering doing something in our life that is very different than we have ever done, the brain is going to start sending up those signals to try to get us to not do it. But the more that you think about your future self and how you would like to live as intended and how you would like to live in hope, and you start writing those things down on paper, it tricks the brain into thinking that it's already happened or that it is happening. And the brain then sees that it is a possibility just by thinking about it and writing about it. And I can give an example of this in my life. You know, when I first started with my company eight years ago, you know, I came from the corporate world. I came from uh, law firms where, you know, every year you had to go in and kind of battle for your salary. You had to go in and battle for what you deserved and what you should be paid. So I came into the company thinking that's what I was going to have to do. And it took me about four or five years to figure out that doesn't work. And it was after I started working with my life coach. See, I, I sometimes delineate my my recent life in BLC, before life coaching, and ALC, after life coaching. Well, before life coaching was a battle. Oh, I just dreaded the annual interviews, and I'm sure my boss did too. But something transformative happened. And I thought, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this all wrong. And so I went to her and I said, listen, I don't even want any more money. I'm starting to do more and more of these speeches on a national level with global gaming women and I'm on these platforms with these other women, and they're all executive level and up. And at that time, I was I was just director level. And I said, if you know, if you could just put executive director in front of my name, that would be great. I don't even want any more money. And you know, she looked rather shocked, but she was so encouraged too because I also shared with her about how life coaching was changing my life, and she said that she could see it definitely see the changes in me. And that was really wonderful. And so she said, you know, I'll go talk to the partners. I'll get back with you. And it wasn't a few days later that she came back to me. Now, mind you, for the last three months prior to that meeting, I had written in my journal every single day that I was going to be the next executive director of my company. Every single day, I am the next director of my company. I'm going to be executive director. I'm going to be executive director every single day for three months. So my boss calls me in for the meeting and guess what? They not only didn't name me executive director, but I jumped right up to vice president with a raise and a bonus. And I'm telling you, it's just, there is power in the pen. (laughs) There is power in writing down this expectation because I did, I wrote it down and I trusted. I have this hope. I have this expectation. It's going to happen. And it did. As I was doing some research for this episode, I went to two books and, and who I consider experts 
on the matters of hope. The first one is my friend Amy Downs. Many of you may know her. She has written a book called Hope is a Verb, My Journey of Impossible Transformation. Amy's story is one of an incredible journey of a 355-pound college dropout who survived the Oklahoma Murrah building bombing and became a CEO and an Ironman triathlete. April 19th, 1995, when that bombing happened, I was in my third year of law school. And at that time, OCU Law School was, was built underground. And so our classes were underground and I was in class from 9 a.m. until noon. So we didn't hear or know anything. And I had an intern job downtown. And so I got in my car and I started to head downtown. And on the radio, it said, don't come downtown. There's been an explosion. And I thought, well, okay. So I just go back to our apartment and we had an answering machine. There were no cell phones back then. At least I didn't have one. But I had about 13 frantic messages on my voicemail machine, on my answering machine. And then I turned on the TV and we learned what had happened. And my friend Amy, when the bomb exploded her building on April 19th, she fell three stories and was buried alive for over six hours. In the aftermath of her trauma and loss, she enacted the power of hope to transform from victim to champion in her work, her education, her health, her spirit, and love. So I really encourage you guys to read this book, and I pulled a couple of things from it that really spoke to me. Number one, Amy says, don't cripple your hope. She says at page 13, hope to me was some destination on the horizon. I had diminished the power of hope by using its name to describe small, helpless things. I'd crippled hope into a mere wish. Number two, she says, don't blame others for false hope. We like to blame others for our false hope. False hope exists when we have a dream or fantasy and without any work on our part, we give it the name hope. And lastly, she teaches hope is a verb. It's not a wish or destination. And I love this part. She says, it's not the distant star in the night sky. Hope is the jet fuel that propels you to the moon. So Amy, this is your official invitation. I hope that you will be a guest on this podcast because I really would like to talk to you more about your book and about hope. The second book that I read and researched is called Hope Rising, How the Science of Hope Can Change Your Life. So this book is written by Casey Gwynn and Dr. Hellman. Casey Gwynn is, an, is a lawyer. He serves as president of the Alliance for Hope International. He is a former city attorney from San Diego, and he has developed the International Family Justice Center movement and Camp Hope America. This is the first camping and mentoring program in the country for children exposed to domestic violence. And Dr. Hellman, he's right here in Oklahoma. He's a professor and director of the Hope Research Center at the University of Oklahoma. He's written more than 150 scientific publications on hope as a psychological strength, helping children and adults overcome trauma and adversity. So check out those two books. But I want to talk a little bit more about Hope Rising. So in the book Hope Rising, it really does analyze how hope really is a science and that the science of hope can change your life. Again, they echo the same sentiments that I've shared with you today and that are in Amy's book, that hope is not just an idea. It's not just simply an emotion. 
and it's not a wish. They say that if you embrace the language of hope, you will talk differently. You will act more intentionally and live your life with greater purpose than you ever have before. And I, you know, I had read this book, BLC, Before Life Coaching. And as I was looking back over my notes today, that's exactly what I've been learning in life coaching. And this is exactly what I teach my clients that I've coached for the last two years is that it really is a language with yourself and you really have to talk to yourself differently. And it really is about acting and living with intention. I found it so interesting that even before the studies that they are doing at the Hope Research Center at the University of Oklahoma, that as of the writing of their book, there were over 2000 published studies on hope. And all of those studies consistently demonstrated the power of hope in the areas of education, work, health, mental health, social relationships, family, and recovery from trauma. Hope was no longer just a theory. Hope is a science. And I love what they say at page 31. We are not advocating a Pollyanna approach to hope. Nobody is hopeful all the time. We should not even aspire to be. To be fully human, we need to experience the vast range of human emotions in our life. There are times when we experience adversity, stress, trauma, and it is natural and it is healthy to experience that full range of negative human emotions, of rage, despair, fear, grief, and regret. What is important is to become mindful of the experience and the emotions. And as we allow the intensity of the negative emotions to run their course, we need proven coping resources like hope to help us navigate back toward well-being. You know, St. Augustine has been quoted as saying, hope has two beautiful daughters. Their names are anger and courage. Anger at the way things are and courage to see that they do not remain as they are. Now, I hope you're still with me. I know this was a little bit sciencey, but I think it's so important. So many of you may be sitting back and go, okay, great. That all sounds fine and dandy. But what if I don't believe it? What if I can't live up to this expectation of hope? I think first it's important to recognize that that's just your brain and nothing is wrong. There's nothing wrong with you for thinking, oh, I don't know about this. I don't even believe half of this. I can't let these are false hope and expectations. I'm just going to I'm just going to let myself down. That's just your brain. That's just your lower brain wanting to keep things easy. You know, Dr. Bertie Sperry says, "When you walk in your purpose, you collide with your destiny." You just keep walking. You just keep walking anyway, no matter what your brain's telling you. Reminds me of one of my favorite artists, Ruthie Foster. She has a song called Walk On. Look it up. Put it in your playlist. Eventually, you will collide with your destiny. It doesn't mean there won't be mistakes or failures along the way. But like Brene Brown says, in quoting President Roosevelt, you are in the arena. You aren't standing outside in despair and hopelessness and no action. Now, I understand you want it to at least feel authentic. So maybe, you know, write about and have your wild hopes. But I get it. Maybe you want to be able to, to see it a little better. Maybe you can't quite see that version. I encourage you just to add these simple words. I am willing to have hope in this. I can begin to think in hope about this. 
And as you begin to write your powerful questions, write them every single day. How can I be hopeful about this today? How can I think about this in a hopeful way? And frame it in the positive. Don't be writing your powerful questions as, gosh, how can I, how can I not be thinking in complete despair today? No, turn it around. How can I be hopeful about this situation? How can I think about this in a hopeful way? Because what's going to happen, you have now presented this powerful question to your brain. And now your brain is going to be like, oh gosh, well, we have to go answer this question. And so it's going to look for all the ways that you can have hope. It's going to look for all the ways that you can be helpful. It's going to look for all the ways that you can think about this in a different way. Well, Hellcat, that's great. Okay, I'll give that a try. But what about all these other people's opinions? My parents and my siblings and my boss, they keep telling me that, you know, that I'm just being a little bit too hopeful and, and, you know, they have cautionary tales about what I'm thinking about doing. Guess what? Everybody's going to have opinions about you and other people's opinions about your hope. Just listen to them and then you can decide what to do with it. Just be curious about it. If you value that person's opinion, you can consider it. If it's coming from a place of love, great. Be curious about that. Explore it. See if it's useful or if it serves you. But if it doesn't, you get to delete it and move on. If it's an opinion by someone you don't hardly know, for sure delete it. If it's an opinion by someone you don't really even value their advice or input, delete. And if it's not from a place of love, delete. Point being, don't let others define or dictate your hope by their actions or words. Sure, there's going to be naysayers, but it's your hope. It belongs to you. They get to have their own hope or lack thereof. That's their business. They can have all the opinions they want. And guess what? They get to be wrong. Shel Silverstein says, listen to the mustn'ts, child. Listen to the don'ts. Listen to the shouldn'ts, the impossibles, the won'ts. Listen to the never haves. Then listen close to me. Anything can happen, child. Anything can be. My hope is that I've given you a different way to think about hope. That it's not just a wish, but a trust and an expectation. My hope is that I've challenged you to consider this think, feel, act cycle a little bit as a tool to examine the results you're getting in your life. And it takes practice. It's not easy. But I would love to hear how you create thoughts of hope and what feelings they create in you and drive your actions. I would love to hear about how you put it out there and it happened because you acted in hope with expectation. Do you have some specific stories of when you realized despair was not getting you anywhere and you moved over in hope instead and lived as intended? What did that look like for you? I'd love to hear from you. Hellcat's Hope Podcast has a Facebook page just for this purpose. So hop on over there, post your thoughts. Let's have a discussion about all this. Or you can email me at hellcat at whatthehellcat.com. And I'll share these on the air if you want. So thanks for listening. Episode three in the books. Next up in episode four, it's going to be called My Baby Has a Beard. I'm going to share with you some stories and insight on what it's been like sending my firstborn, my son, off to college. So we'll see you then. Thank you so much for listening to Hellcat's Hope. And if you like what you heard, please subscribe. To book me as a speaker for your next event, work one-on-one as a coach, or find more information on my upcoming book, please go to whatthehellcat.com. 
Thanks for listening.